How's it going, coaches? Welcome to Keep Your Pads Down. We are the podcast for the defensive line. So whether you're a defensive line coach or you just want to hang out with some, thank you for checking us out today. Hey, if you are a first-time listener, then we are a, a football podcast that typically focuses on the defensive line. But periodically, we will, uh, as is the case uh, for today, we'll step outside of those lines and, and bring on a guest to share something with our audience that we uh, feel like will be beneficial to them. And so I'm, I'm really excited to get to our conversation today with Blake Cantu. He has a, a very powerful story that everyone can benefit from, whether you're a coach or not. So really looking forward to, uh, to sharing Blake's story with you today. But first, I need to tell you about a couple of our podcast sponsors with you. First one being our friends at Go Edit Graphics. Coaches, there's no doubt you have a ton of great things going on in your athletic program this time of year, which means you need to have a way to promote those awesome things your kids are doing with some sharp looking graphics that you can create yourself in a matter of minutes with our friends at GoEdit Graphics. So what GoEdit Graphics does is allow any coach to create custom graphics from their library of templates in a matter of minutes by changing the colors, text, and images to make it your own. They offer categories like game day, scoring, player profiles, and communication to name a few. The platform is easy, it's affordable, and no design skills are needed. Go Edit Graphics is a great way to showcase all your sports and athletes, and subscriptions are for 12 months and include unlimited graphics. Also, if you check out our Twitter feed today and see the graphic that we posted uh, with this episode link for Blake, that entire graphic was created by me in just a few minutes with Go Edit. I picked the template that I wanted to use and then picked some pictures, changed the colors and the text to what I wanted the graphic to say. And, and it's cool. They even added some extra features to the text editing aspect where you can do some really cool uh, creative things with the text to make your graphic even more customizable. So anyway, I did all of that in just a few minutes and bam, I'm done. So the process is super easy. It's user-friendly. And like always, mention keep your pads down when you're ordering and receive $25 off your showcase yearly package. Highlight your athletes with custom-made graphics in less than two minutes with GoEdit Graphics. Next up, coaches, you are no doubt doing things this spring to better yourself as a coach. Maybe uh, you're reading some books or you're visiting with other coaches, attending clinics, or maybe even listening to podcasts like this one. Well, those are all great, but you should also do what I do and head over to Our Coaching Network, create an account, and then have access to quality live clinics going off every week, all of which are then added to a library that you can access at any time. So get on over there and create your account today. Subscriptions are super affordable. and You can even sign up for a free week. And then cancel at any time, so there's no pressure. Start connecting with and learning from coaches all across the country today with our coaching network. Okay, so let's get to today's conversation with Blake. So I first met Blake a couple of weeks ago when our team uh, went over to, uh, to actually where he is a resident at Haven Homes, which is a faith-based recovery home here in Texarkana, Texas. Our team was doing a uh, kind of a service project with those guys and having a meal with them. And and uh, sort of, um, you know, after the meal wrapped up, they had some guys share a few things. And, and one of the guys that got up to share was Blake. And uh, he got up to tell his story. And it was the first time he had ever shared his story with, with people, uh, from what I understand. And uh, all of us, you know, players and coaches, everyone who was there was just, we were just blown away. And so uh, I, I wanted to make sure that I, I wanted to, or I wanted to get him on here and let you guys hear that story. So that's, that story is what you're going to hear today. But uh, in high school, uh, Blake was the uh, 92nd best player in the country, his position, according to rivals. He was uh, first-team All-State, 
all district. Um, and then I was sophomore of the year in 2005. Uh, and then, you know, after his senior year, he was selected to play in the Under Armour All-American game uh, in Orlando. And then he committed to the University of Oregon and arrived in Eugene as a highly touted prospect. However, three shoulder surgeries ended Blake's career prematurely, which ultimately led him to drop out of school and then, and then turn to drugs and alcohol. And in the years that followed, Blake battled substance addiction and depression and overdose and uh, jail time. And then uh, about seven months ago, he reached out to one of his old coaches on Facebook for help. And ironically enough, uh, that coach is actually the head coach here at Texas High School uh, in Texarkana, Jerry Stanford. You know, I'll let Blake talk more about him and, and sort of the uh, fruit of that conversation in, in our episode today. But, but as I mentioned already, Blake is currently a resident at Haven Homes, uh, has been clean and sober for the past seven months. So clearly we have a lot of ground to cover with Blake today. So let's get to it. Here is Blake Cantu on episode number 129 of KYPD. so much for joining us today. I'm really excited for these guys to, to hear your story and know that they'll be blessed because of it. So, so thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, man. I, I've, I have had the opportunity to hear your story today. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we got to, to get together with you guys at Haven Homes and, and spend some time with you. And I know that was really an impactful evening for not only the guys on the football team, for our coaching staff as well. But, but before we dive into our conversation today, let these guys know, kind of give them an overarching summary of where you've been, where you are now, and where ultimately you'd like to be. Yeah, thanks for, for bringing the team out. I mean, that was impactful on me as well, uh, getting to share uh, kind of what I've been through and just seeing them, you know, because I was in their shoes, I felt like, you know, not too long ago. Time really does fly, and uh, it's good to see it's good to see them going out in the community and outreaching and what they can do in Texarkana, so that's good thing um so basically to sum it up man i've uh i've done a lot in sports won a state state title at south lake carroll played wide receiver for them got a scholarship played at oregon under chip kelly um, got hurt there and just spent the next 10 years trying to figure it out trying to find out my identity who, who i am and along the way you know there were some roadblocks and it, and it led me into addiction and um that's a serious thing going on in our country right now. Um, I know a lot of people either struggle with it or know someone that struggles with it. So right now I'm in recovery. I've been sober for seven months, no drugs, no alcohol. And um, it's my duty to share my story in case there's someone out there that's struggling. I know a lot of athletes after, after they stop playing, you know, they, a lot of them do struggle with finding themselves getting back on their feet and figuring out who they are. And um, so that's what I want to do today is, uh, I guess, turn my mess into a message. And God's allowed me to do that. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And, and I think that that's something for us as men, and we talked about this when we were together uh, with you guys a couple of weeks ago, it's really difficult for guys to do, to uh, to be vulnerable, to admit weakness, and to uh, to open up. And so that's why, again, I just appreciate 
you uh, being so willing to do that today because I know it's not an easy thing, um, but it is very powerful when when people are able to do that. So let's kick it off and just have you uh, start off by talk, talking to us a little bit about your childhood and, and what it was like for you growing mm-hmm. up. I know in the uh, DFW area, what was that like for you? Yeah, so my childhood was awesome. I had a great childhood. I was an only child, single mom. Uh, my grandparents were really involved with me and um, always involved in sports. Uh, my grandpa, he was retired, so he had a lot of time on his hands where he could get me to you know, practices and tournaments and games and things like that. But overall, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't yearn to have my my dad around. It's just a, it was just a thing that kind of became normal um, because he wasn't in my life. And now that now that I, I can see, you know, he's probably afflicted by the same things that I I was later on down in life down the road. And you know, I, I can kind of uh, put myself in his shoes now to this day. But back then, he was just, you know, just non-existent and. Um, my childhood was great. It really was. Um, I excelled in sports early on. Um, like I said, my grandpa would get me everywhere I needed to be, and he was a great man. He he was a really good role model, um, just a man's man, uh, old school, had grit, wouldn't ever take a day off from work. Just someone someone to look up to. He really was. And um, so back when I was younger, I was in the city league sports, you know, with baseball and basketball and then quickly um came to realize you know it's probably probably best to either play up or go select because um I, I was just an early developed kid um was always bigger stronger and faster and so i got into select baseball around fifth or sixth grade and that would really occupy my summers um and you know, my mom was busy. She was working a lot, and um, it kept me out of trouble. Um, I excelled at it. Later on, the summers would fill up even more. You know, I, I started playing AAU basketball, and there was a man named Larry Sanders who was really impactful in my life, kind of stepping in. And as a fatherless child, you know, the coach that steps in and, and you know and tries to father him, um, but he was really really big for me uh, growing up. Did a lot for me, um, but it was crazy. I was always just so busy with sports that there were times where I would be changing out of my baseball uniform, driving from Dallas to Fort Worth, you know, for a basketball tournament or something. I mean, it was it was nonstop sports. But I wouldn't I wouldn't say my childhood really had any traumatic. I didn't really even have any traumatic things that happened, and it was just. I would have to say overall it was awesome and uh, just filled up. My schedule was filled up with sports, and that's the way I, I wanted it. No one pushed me that direction. That's just what I love to do. Who, who do you credit with uh, introducing you to, to, to the game of football, and what, what sort of made you gravitate towards that sport? Uh, just being in, in Dallas-Fort Worth, when I was a kid, that's back when the Cowboys were something. You know? uh, so it was a thing. You'd watch the Cowboy games. And I remember when I was little, watching them, you know, play the Packers against Brett Favre and winning Super Bowls. Um, so they were just on the TV, you know, and, and I watched it with my grandpa. And, and, and during halftime or something, he would take me out in the front yard and throw the football or play catch. And it just kind of started from there. 
and uh, and then I would uh, round up all the neighborhood kids, you know, and organize a game or at recess in, in elementary school we played football. That's just what we did. Um, so I think that's that's where I kind of got introduced to it before the pads even before I even put the pads on. Um, it was just part of the culture here in Texas. If you're familiar with that. Yeah, I I think we're close to the same age because that's that was uh, for me sort of my first exposure to football is watching the Cowboys on TV. You know, they had the triplets and Aikman and Irvin and oh, yeah. and uh, Emmett Smith and I was an hour north of Houston, so the Oilers were also big. I had an Oilers starter jacket, you know, that when I had that thing oh, yeah. on, man, I, you know, I, I felt like I was uh, was uh, pretty cool, but. When when uh, you, you mentioned your your grandpa and then another coach being uh, you know impactful for you, were there other male figures, whether it was coaches or other people in your life that really influenced influenced you as a young man? Overall, I would say um, all the coaches that I played for were pretty impactful to me. I think I mentioned Larry Sanders. Um, He's to this day. I still I still talk to him. But as far as just other other male figures, um, it was there was a youth minister. I was involved in church when I was younger because my grandmother she's she made sure we went to church, and um, so I was always involved with the youth groups, you know. And that's where that's where I made a lot of friends at when I was younger. And that's I would also go to you know those Bible camps that were out of town and uh, for a week or two and. He was pretty inf- influential on me. Terry Ishii was his name. He was uh, he was old to me then, but he was around our age. But he was he was cool. I thought he was cool, and I was like, man, uh, going to church. I didn't think it was cool until I met him. You know, he made it cool. So he knew how to to kind of talk our lingo, and and uh, and he was he was pretty impactful in my life, and he and he stayed in touch with me and kept up with me throughout high school and. Went to went to my football games and you know I haven't talked to him in a while but he was he was pretty influential on me growing up as a young person. What was uh, your your faith like at that point, or how would you describe it? You know, for me, uh, kind of similar to what you're talking about. Grew up going to church. You know, every time the doors were open and and involved in the youth group and going to camps and stuff. But looking back now, I, it's hard to say that I, I think that my faith didn't really become my own until I was um, a young adult. Cause I went from that environment to going to a, a private Christian college where again, it's just kind of a normal thing to go to church, you go to chapel. And so it really, for me, wasn't until maybe even after I was, I was married or, or, or close to that age when I kind of had to make those own, my, those decisions for myself. So for you, when did, had your faith, was your faith your own at that point or was it just kind of something you did or where was it, where was it at at that point? There was no doubt. There was no doubt that uh, I had a relationship with God then. But it was one of those things where, when you're younger and you you haven't faced the world yet, you haven't you know had that lifelong experiences of of ups and downs. You know you don't you kind of take it for granted. And you don't realize you know the impact that a relationship with God can can do for you. Um, so when I was younger, I, you know, I loved Jesus. You know, I went to camps and it was kind of like, you know, right after that Bible camp, you'd come home and it would just be like a high, you know, you're all about church. And then you'd get in school again. And then you start listening to Tupac and you start sagging your pants and then back to, you know, back to it. And uh, 
it's definitely evolved uh, to where it was back then. There's, there's more to it uh, that I can appreciate uh, my faith now, my faith then. But it did, it did give me a good, like, fundamental understanding of, of, of Christianity. It did help me. It did put in me that, that little voice that before you do something, you know, this is right, this is wrong. So I think it was just good to instill that, you know, when you're younger and you so down the road, you have the you have that conscience that God that God talks to you through. Um, but yeah, back then, you know, it it was definitely more of a let's go hang out with our friends at you know at the youth group type of deal. So well now let's 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 move into you know you you get into high school and to say that you are a pretty good high school football player is an understatement. Um, so what was that your experience playing high school football like? And and I know you that you started out at one school and transferred to another one. So just talk to us about that. Right, right. So I went to LD Bell um, in Fort Worth, and that school was a little different because high school didn't start till tenth grade. Um, so in ninth grade it was still junior high. Um, so I went to Bedford Junior High from seventh, eighth, and ninth grade. And my ninth grade year is when Coach Jerry Stanford from, from Texas High, he came over to LD Bell. I think it was his first coaching job at a high school. Um, he became the OC over at LD Bell. And um, before he came, we were running a wishbone offense, and there was no throwing involved. It was line up, run the option. So I played running back, and um, – my ninth grade year, we had we had some good running backs in, on varsity, so I stayed, you know, and played played my ninth grade year with my team. Uh, and then tenth grade came along, and that's when Coach Stanford was like, "Hey, you know, you should move over and play slot receiver." Um, and that was when the spread offense kind of first came out in high school, and the slot was a new position almost. Um, it was kind of just a hybrid of wide receiver, running back, you know, it's the quick guy that's able to block linebackers and you know get open underneath and and with good hands and so I started to uh just embrace that position uh coming into my 10th grade year and we'd travel around we do seven on seven um during the summers and once that 10th grade year what once I got a taste of like that you know that Texas high school varsity football um experience i mean that was it that was i was a free sport athlete but that was quickly changed when i the friday night lights happened um my first game it was funny my first game i was we had this really we had a stud in the slot his name was uh deandre english and he was a senior and i was supposed to be his backup coming in to the first game my 10th grade year um i eventually would have found my way in the starting lineup but he ended up getting in trouble, didn't show up to a class or something. So Coach Stanford, he benched him. And I remember we played Arlington Bowie my first week. And uh, I think I caught four balls for 164 yards and two touchdowns. So that was it from that point. Um, I remained the starter the rest of that season. And uh, we, we went three and seven, I believe, or two and eight, something like that. Um, we get beat up pretty bad, but I ended up uh, receiving the sophomore of the year honor for that district. And 
I remember going to watch these playoff games at the old Texas Stadium uh, once our season ended, and I was already getting ready for basketball and everything. Man, that atmosphere was just electric. Um, and, you know, if you're from the DFW area, South Lake Carroll's always been the, the perennial school, you know, kind of the, how the Yankees used to be in baseball. It was just that was the pinnacle of high school football right there. And I would go watch them, and it was just, wow. It's like, man, I wish I could. I wanted to, I wanted some of that. I want to know what that's, that feels like to be a part of a program like that. And uh, so uh, my mom and I, we found a house, uh, a rent house. I mean, we didn't. We obviously couldn't afford to live in South Lake. I mean, you can't, you can't unless you're going to drop, you know, half a million on a house or more. Um, so we found a rent house in Grapevine, which was in the, in the school district, um, South Lake School District, to rent. And um, I remember when I left LD Bell, it was, it was bittersweet because I was excited about the new opportunity to go to the place where I really wanted to go play football at. At the same time, you know, having to, you know, tell these coaches and my and my teammates, like, you know, it was it it was weird being a young kid having to deal with all those emotions, you know, from from both sides. And uh, there was a lot of people that were like, I don't know why you're doing that, you know, you won't play over at Southlake. You're not gonna, you're just you're just gonna ride the pine and you're gonna regret it. And uh, so when I got over to Southlake. I, me and Riley Dodge, we we connected. We became really good friends. And I remember, you know, it was just a different, it was a different vibe over there. It was all it was all business. Um, the reason they would win, I found out pretty quick, was because I mean they took they took football seriously there. Uh, me and Riley, we, we on the, on our lunch, you know, at school, we would watch film. We would get our lunch and we'd go somewhere we watch film. Um, so we were always working. We were always, you know, trying to improve ourselves um, as football players. And so we quickly became, you know, the top wide receiver QB duo in the state pretty quick. My 10th grade year, we, we won state. We played Austin Westlake. Um, they had Nick Foles as a quarterback. I remember that. And I got to play, you know, with, with Todd Dodge. He's a legend. Um, just a great coach, man. Just awesome, and I'm glad he got he he went out on top this last season. Um, but I, you know, I got I got to experience that, and it was it was just so surreal. It was like a dream almost. I mean, just from week to week, playing, you know, at that high of a level, um, and accomplishing so much, and 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 not only accomplishing it, but knowing you were going to just because you knew you knew when you played at South like you knew you were going to win because you knew you prepared better than the team that you were playing. You know, um, that was just an awesome feeling. Um, so yeah, it was just a lot of stuff going on back then and a lot of excitement. Um, I know senior year, we had a new coach, Coach uh, Hal Watson came in, his, his Todd went to North Texas. And uh, we had a pretty good season. We, we were thinking, you know, we're just gonna repeat this thing and win state again and we had some injuries happen and uh that's when my shoulder injury started was my senior year um i know riley he got knocked out of the game we lost to abilene he got a shoulder injury 
but he had to come out of the game. So we were just banged up, and that happens in football. Um, but at that point, I was already committed to go to Oregon. So, you know, there were guys on my team that were balling, you know, and I could understand because that's the last time they'll put on pads because that football ends for everybody at some point. Um, so, yeah, it, at that point, that's when I was like, okay, this is this chapter's closed, and um, the next chapter is going to begin in college. And, you know, I was still really optimistic about what was going to happen next. Well, I want to back up to the uh, to to your state championship game, your junior year versus Westlake, because for a lot of um, hardcore fans of Texas high school football, one of the moments that sticks out from that game is uh, Riley Dodge throwing up through his face mask. Uh, <laughs> he throws a, a touchdown pass, and I just pulled up the article as you were talking, and um, I think it was to Anthony Ford. Is that name? Yeah, Anthony yeah. Ford. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and that gave you guys the. Uh, 36-29 lead with seven minutes left. That's according to the article. Um, do you remember that moment? And and uh, kind of give us give us your uh, recollection of that moment from your perspective. Oh man, I'll tell you this. So a lot of people don't know this, but but Riley throws up a lot. That's just I don't even know why. Uh, he could eat. He'd be just eating something or uh, drink a Gatorade too fast or something. But that guy, he throws up a lot. And that's just the thing he does. So I think when when he threw up for that snap, I mean, it, it, to most people, that would have been like, whoa, you know, hold on a second. What's going on? But to him, that's just routine. He's like, eh, you know, I touchdown, you know. So, uh, yeah, the guy's got a weak stomach. I know that. Uh, but, no, I remember that. I remember seeing it, and it was it was crazy. Uh, and, and it's funny that that happened in, that, in such a big game, you know. Uh, because that that's going to live on for a while. But that was a, that was awesome. That was one of the yeah highlights of playing with him. I can yeah, I, I remember just seeing that. I guess I was in maybe a freshman in college or sophomore. Anyway, when I saw that, because I watched the highlights from that game and was just like, man, that's that's such a cool like that's such a cool moment. You know, to yeah. I mean, that's something that you'll be able to ha have with you forever. <laughs> you know, throw up on the field, take the snap, throw a touchdown, win a state championship. Um, that, that was a, a really cool moment. So you, you mentioned that you, know, you committed to Oregon your senior year. Uh, what was your recruiting process like? Because this was before, you know, social media and, and all of the, uh, the hype surrounding kids. I mean, obviously, I, I know that, that um, you know, there was a lot of attention that you were receiving from, from coaches and everything, but it was still a lot different than it is now. Uh, definitely much more subdued and you could still sort of fly under the radar to some extent, um, you know, out once you kind of got outside of your school and, and your immediate area where people know you, uh, but what was your recruiting process like and what made you ultimately decide to, 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 to pick Oregon? Yeah, the recruiting process now is crazy with social media. Uh, me and Coach Stanford were talking about it. He was, he was showing me some, some websites that used to kind of be like rivals was like on three and, and they got kids that like evaluated with money and, you know how much Twitter, how many Twitter Twitter followers they have, and uh, so it, it makes me feel old. But uh, yeah, back then it was just it was all done. You know, coaches had a certain college coaches had a certain period where they could contact, um, and then they, you know, couldn't at sometimes, and they can't. You know, so uh, I think it was the summer right after my junior year um, in spring, spring and summer. Um, I started getting a lot of attention just from that season we had and 
Um, you know, I was one of the one of the leading receivers as far as yards and, and touchdowns in the state. Um, and uh, I was first team all state with Des Bryant. So coming into that off season, um, my phone was ringing a lot. Um, coaches were stopping by spring ball. You know, it's funny because a, a coach would walk in, you'd see their little logo at our at our spring practices, and uh, and you're like wondering, okay, who they're here for, you know? And if they come over by the receivers, you're like, okay, I got a ball out now, you know, practice. And I remember the day that Coach Kelly from Oregon, Chip Kelly, he had just been hired as the OC at Oregon. Um, he was actually my recruiting coordinator, um, and I remember. You know, when you're playing video games, you always have that team you play with. And Oregon was that team for me. I just thought they were cool. Um, their uniforms were cool. Their stadium was cool. Everything about them. Um, so when a guy with an Oregon polo came to our spring uh, practice one day, I was thinking, man, I hope he comes over here, you know, with the receivers. And he started, you know, he, he, would go, he, he was going around all the positions. So I was like, yeah, he's got to be here for one of our old linemen or something. And that's cool that Oregon's here because we we had a lot of like Big 12 and SEC and but Pac you know Pac 10 it's Pac 10 back then you know this guy came a long way you know that everyone was kind of like looking at him and uh, I remember Coach Kirk Rogers who's now at um, Austin Westlake he's the OC he was my receiver coach I remember him calling me uh, that day after practice and telling me that hey this Coach Kelly gave me his card he wants you to call him so he gave me his number. And then from then on out, it was the recruiting was on. Um, and Coach Kelly's slick. He's a, he was a really great recruiter. Uh, it's weird being a, a, a teenage kid, you know, and having these these grown men calling and courting you to get to go to their school, you know. And uh, but uh, it was a fun process. I got to uh, take a visit out to Oregon that summer, and uh, and I just fell in love with it. It was. So different from the DFW area as far as just the, the trees and the atmosphere and the weather and and then you know once once you get on step on campus and see how they you know they don't have a pro team in Oregon and it's like it's all about the Ducks I mean it's it's like a little NFL you know if you go there and play ball so um, I committed before my senior year. I remember having a conversation with Coach Watson. He's like, "Hey, if you look, if you want to go here, just commit, um, and then, you know, I'm going to tell everyone else to call that you're committed." Uh, because me and Coach Kelly, you know, when he knew that he was going to take over this offense and change it, and he was looking for, you know, a solid slot guy, and you know, he he told me I was the guy, you know, and. Uh, you know, and, that, and that's before all the injuries happen up there. And it it was really a cool experience to go through that process. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't really, you know, weigh all my options, but uh, I knew that, you know, if it, if it felt right, you know, and if it was a, a team that I, I had already, you know, enjoyed, even on, even on a video game, it was like, you know, this is it, this is, I'm gonna stick with it, so that's what that's what happened with that. Yeah, I remember it was about that time when when Oregon was um, right up right right at the beginning of the of the 
uh, height of their their popularity. And you're right, they had a lot of allure to them because of their uniforms, because of their flashy offense, you know, the up-tempo that now everybody runs, but at the time it was really unique to them. Um, and, uh, you know, they came and got a lot of Texas kids at that time. It was, it was, you know, there was a kid here in Texarkana over at uh, Liberty Ilo, um, Michael James, that uh, went up there and played. And uh, I know it was a teammate of yours. So they, uh, they, they had a, a lot of pool in, in the state of Texas. So when you get when you get uh, to campus, you arrive on campus there at Eugene. What were your expectations? What had they told you, and what were you thinking as far as what your role would be on the team? All right. So in high school, we, you know, I had a I had a shoulder dislocation already my senior year, and I, I went to a doctor. He he advised me that I should probably get surgery before I go to college, and and I got a couple more opinions, and they were like, well, you know, it's a labrum. You know, you you can do some rehab exercises and get it strong, and, and I was gonna I was gonna do that instead of have surgery because I was I was dead set on I'm gonna go in there and play because um, that's what every kid wants when it goes to college. I mean, they, red shooting is good um, for to you know to put, put some weight on you or to learn the offense, but I was dead set on going in there, learning the playbook. I was in the best shape of my life, um, so I I went in there. It was uh, summer term where where we got to enroll um, before the before the fall uh, term started. So I get there in the summer and it wasn't that much different as far as the workout and stuff that I'd already kind of been through at Southlake. I mean that Southlake prepared me for college. It really did. Um, so we were going through summer workouts. Um, we we would end a session where we we would you know do conditioning or lift and we would all go out there and play seven on seven. I remember it was one of the first uh, summer workouts that we had. I remember all the older guys were on this one field doing seven on seven and then the freshmen were on another field. Um, it was kind of like, you know, you have to learn the, you have to learn a playbook first before you go with the big boys. And I remember thinking, man, I want, I want to go in there and mix it up a little bit. So I went over there and they let me in the huddle. And uh, I remember it was it was a the play I had a seam route and then we were on a 40 yard line or so going in. And, um, Patrick Chung, he was All American safety, played for the Patriots. He came up and just it was it was man coverage. He came up to press me and I got a good release on him on the line, ran up the seam, quarterback hit me in stride, scored, and he wasn't happy about it. Everyone was kind of dogging on him like, oh, you're gonna let the you know freshman do that to you, whatever. And so we line up to go for two, and he comes at me again, just right up in my grill and press me. And this time, when I'm when I'm coming over the top of my arm, I get tangled up with him, and my shoulder comes out of place. Uh, and so after that, once I got it popped back in and everything, a few days later, you know, we did a MRI on it, and the trainer advised that I had surgery on it because it was just going to continue to come out of place. And so uh, me and Chip sat down in his office and decided that it would be best to gray shirt instead of red shirt. Because what a gray shirt does, it, it delays your enrollment to the next year. So you actually get a full extra year. Uh, because if, I, if you're gonna have surgery, it's better to do that than it is to red shirt. So I agreed with him to do that. And uh, so now I'm up in Oregon and I'm not, I have surgery and I'm not even a, student at the University of Oregon. Um, I'm going to a community college called Lane Community College to take two credits 
just to, you know, they can transfer over to Oregon, you know, when I enroll in the winter. Um, but it was, it was kind of a low time for me because as I was coming back from injury, you know, I wasn't involved. I wasn't involved with the team. So, yeah, it was, that was kind of rough for me having to watch them from a distance. Was it at that point when did, did you start to notice or start to feel the, the pull to um, get into drugs and alcohol? I know that we had talked, you know, when, when you shared your story the last time when we, we were together, uh, I, I, I don't think that was a big, something that you were into in high school, but um, was it, was, was that at that time you started kind of being pulled in that direction or was that later after you went back to work? Yeah, that's actually when I think, you know, God sent me his first wake up call was was during that time uh, I remember the team was out of town they were playing Purdue and I was uh, I was just sitting there watching them drinking I remember drinking I had a sling on at the time this is right after my surgery and uh, we won that game so they flew back and I remember one of my buddies on the team they were going out to this bar and I went out with them and I ended up getting a DUI that night and this is before I'm even enrolled at Ed Oregon. So I'm thinking, oh, that's it. We're gonna, they're going to kick me off the team. Because um, Coach Pilati was still the head coach there at that time. And his policy was if you had an interaction with the police or got arrested, that you better call him first. Because if he finds out before you call him, then it's automatic dismissal. So that was one of the hardest phone calls I ever had to make once, you know, once I got bailed out of jail and everything. Um, was to call Coach Bellotti and tell him I just got arrested for a DUI. And so when I called him, uh, the conversation, it went a lot better than I thought it would. Uh, he was more forgiving than Coach Kelly, I think. So what he did was he just uh, suspended my, I had those uh, tickets for family and friends, you know, four tickets each game. He suspended them for a couple games and then gave me one of the team lawyers. And then from there we went, um, but it's funny that that DUI actually came back and haunted me late, later on in life uh, when I was trying to become a firefighter. So uh, I think that was the first, the first run-in or the first, uh, the first sign, I guess you'd call it, um, was was that fall when when I just, right after I had surgery and I started drinking and got that DUI. It was, yeah. It was so you, you you recover from. Your, your, your shoulder surgery, you're admitted back into Oregon. Things start to look up for you, right? And getting right. optimistic and okay, that, that part of my life's behind me. Now it's time to go ball. So what happened next? Yeah, uh, that spring, uh, I had an awesome spring. I fully healed up from the surgery. Uh, in the spring game, I was the leading receiver. And it was looking really good. And I was working hard. I was even on my studies, even everything was clicking on all cylinders and, and I was I was feeling like I was finally you know working my way into where I could get some playing time this next this next season and uh, so fall rolls around or the end of summer rolls around and uh, we start two a days and we're, you know we're battling for position we're, we're trying to you know solidify our, our spots on the team and I'm I'm doing I'm doing great. I'm staying after. I'm watching film. I'm I'm doing everything I can to you know to get in there. Week one, we were playing New Mexico, 
And uh, so a week, I think it was a week before the New Mexico game, uh, we were in shells and we were just kind of going over some things, um, some plays that we were going to execute during that game. And I remember lay, not laying out, but just catching the ball on the sideline and lo like losing my footing. And when I fell, you know, my elbow kind of jarred, my right elbow this time, hit the ground first and jarred my shoulder out of place. Um, so I knew right then I was like, crap. You know, uh, I was trying to play it off where, you know, once I got it back in place, just give me a brace. Um, but I obviously, you know, I couldn't, there wasn't a lot of mobility in it for week one. And so I was thinking, man, okay, week two, week three, you know, that, that'll be my time. You know, this thing, this inflammation goes down. Um, and so unfortunately it never, it never got any better. Um, I was I was just trying to play through it, and it was like it was getting easier to come out of place, easier to come out of place to the point where I remember trying to plug my phone in the charger in my bed, you know, like reaching over and it coming out of place. So uh, that's when the doctor started to look at my shoulders and going, "Man, like you weren't you weren't built for contact sports." I mean, he's like, "Your shoulders are going past the range of motion." Um, they actually did this test where you where you take your thumb, if you can put it to your forearm, right? If you can rub it on your forearm, um, that's just kind of a sign that your, your joints are going past the range of motion. So he was just like, you know, atomic, anatomically, you're, you know, you're not built to play contact sports. Like, okay, well, I'm still going to just go ahead and give me the surgery and let's, let's do it again. Let's do this thing all over again. Um, so I think every time that happened, it was like, it was just like, you know, crushing for me on a spiritual level, even um, because I think I found, I think I thought this way that people were like treating me differently because, because um, I was, I was so convinced, like, you know, I'm going to be a football player. I'm going to go pro. Um, and that's, that's what I identified at, at my whole life and excelled at. I felt like when I got hurt or injured, you know, I wasn't worthy of love or people kind of just stopped liking me because I wasn't producing. That wasn't the case, I don't think, looking back on it now. I think that I think that, that was just, you know, my mindset at the time. So each time this would happen, you know, I would I would turn to alcohol or marijuana. Uh, to kind of ease that pain, and it wasn't physical; it was more emotional pain that I was I was feeling every time, you know, when his injuries would happen. Uh, but yeah, it was a rough time. That's when that's when my my troubles kind of all started was um, these shoulder injuries. You know, you you kind of talked about this, um, you know, how people treated you differently, and and um, I think, you know, for I think for guys especially, it's easy for us to get our identities wrapped up either in our job or whether it is being an athlete or whatever, when that's taken away from us, it's really difficult. Right. And so was that something that was really difficult for you at that point, you know, having that taken away from you after you've been this, this, you know, uh, really uh, awesome football player for so many years. And now you have that taken away from you, have that in jeopardy. And then how did you handle that? So, yeah, I just pushed everything and everyone away after my last surgery, 
you know, Coach Coach Kelly, he he had a talk with me in his office. There's three three surgeries overall, and then after the third one, it was like that's it for you. Um, you know, this game's over. You know, they, I knew that at some point it would be, but I just I didn't have those. Uh, I just didn't have a plan after. I didn't know what I was going to do or what I was going to be. And so Coach Kelly, he called me in his office and, and he sat down. He's like, look, man, like, I know you love this game, but eventually, you know, you're not going to be able to play catch with your kids. Um, so it's not worth it. Um, you're going to go ahead and, and pay for the rest of your school. You're going to stay on full scholarship. Um, just get your degree. So I remember the last thing he telling, him telling me was um, just don't still go. And I'm thinking in my head, like, that's what everyone says you know if I do just dabble here and there it's not a big deal um, I'm in college you know everyone's doing it and so um, yeah so after that uh, I remember my receiver coach to Oregon coach Frost he was actually Scott Frost he was the uh, coach at Nebraska now the head coach um, he he kind of took me took me in and was like you know, you have a lot of knowledge to this game because, you know, there's a reason you were so effective. Uh, you're not the biggest, fastest, strongest athletic guy, but, you, you know, you have something, you know, where you can give back. You know, you have a lot of knowledge of the game. Um, so how would you like to, you know, help me out with the receivers and coaching them? And uh, I thought that was pretty cool um, at that time and to still still be involved. But I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was on a subconscious level. Uh, I remember first week was good. Like he he let me write the scripts for the first couple period practice. Uh, I got to work with the young guys on releases before and after practice. Uh, but I remember that uh, going out early to do like jugs machines with the guys. You know, I would be out there with my gloves on. You know, and Coach Kelly comes to me. He's like, "Hey man, you got to take this gloves off." Anyone in the media sees you, and I don't have to explain, you know, yada yada. He's like, trying to take them off, you know. And he, he had to come to me one day about cleats. He's like, you got to take them cleats off. And uh, so during that time, I, you know, the drug use ramped up. I was smoking, smoking weed almost every day and, and drinking. And I remember one day I just didn't go back. I just didn't. It was like, just being around it, it was painful to not like be involved. Um, and it was kind of like it got, it got uh, kind of yanked out from under me so fast. I didn't really know how to deal with it, with the loss of it. Um, so that's when I, you know, I started to hang around people that weren't on the football team, uh, people that weren't even students at Oregon. Um, I don't know, they, the old saying, misery loves company. So, and it's crazy too, because I remember we had a receiver that he had, he had three or four concussions, so he wasn't able to play anymore either. He ended up helping Coach Frost after I left, or after I just stopped showing up. And I remember after he got his um, degree at Oregon, a few months later, Coach Kelly took him to Philly with him, the Eagles. Uh, and I, I remember that's part of the thing. One of the things that kind of haunted me was on the TV. You know, I, I would know a player almost on every NFL team. 
and then I would have to see this guy on the sidelines, this Coach Kelly, you know, while I'm, you know, doing drugs with some people or, you know, like just slumming it out. I know I'd have to see it all the time on TV. Um, but yeah, and then uh, once that started happening and I started to, you know, I started to get distant with my family. Um, I wouldn't pick up the phone as much. They knew something was going on. Um, I stopped going to class. I'm just not even withdrawing from classes, just failing them, just not even going. It's full sabotage mode. Um, and then that's when my family stepped in and they wanted me to come back to Dallas. So, so I did. Yeah. And I left some things undone up there, but, you know, I had to come home. I, I thought I was going to get to regroup and, you know, get my life right. So you go home and um, what was your, what was your plan for when you got home? Um, I didn't really have one. <laughs> uh, my grandpa, he was, he was trying to get me to go to the army, just, or the Navy or the Marines. Um, he thought that I could just go in as an officer. Uh, so a lot of times you have to have a degree for that. Um, but it was funny when I would go to these recruiting places with him, um, you know, they would say, well, we, the Marines, oh, we can't take you because you got screws in your shoulder. Um, Army would say, you know, can't take you because you have a DUI. You know, and, and almost every branch, it was something that disqualified me from playing college football that, you know, that I acquired from playing college football. And so he thought, you know, the next best thing is, and let's get you enrolled in fire school. So I went to DeSoto uh, Fire Academy. And it was like a six-week course to get structurally firefight, like certified as a firefighter. I ended up passing that, doing that, got EMT done. Um, but meanwhile, during this time, you know, I was I was drinking a lot, and but I w it was at a manageable point where it wasn't just clearly affecting my life. You know, you couldn't just see it all over me yet. <clears throat> um, so once EMT school was finished, um, it was time to go apply. So I, I remember seeing uh, this this ad saying Arlington Fire Department was going to hire 30 to 40 people in a recruiting class. And so I signed up for it. And when I got to this Arlington Convention Center, I was overwhelmed because it was like 1,600 people that were applying for this job and the first step was this general aptitude test where they where they kind of just give you a, a test of basic IQ and knowledge or whatever and so 1600 people in this convention center they're going to take the top 250 people and go to the next phase which was like a mile and a half run so I remember thinking there's no way I'm going to get in the top 250 so I'm not going to worry about this I'm you know I took it and the next day the uh, results got online and I looked and uh, I was 30th overall out of 1600 so I'm like wow okay and so they did a mile and a half run uh, around AT&T Stadium a week later killed that uh, did the agility course where you know you're in full gear you go through this obstacle course and uh, you know perform like you know you, you have to X you know a roof and all that stuff and then all the firefighters were like, man, we like this kid, you know, he, he seems like he'd fit in. And they were all kind of enthusiastic and talking to me and things. And then that's when the background packet happens. So they give me this thick background packet and I fill it out and I get a call 
saying that, you know, that DUI disqualifies you. Um, it's got to be 10 years for a DUI unless it's expunged. And in the state of Oregon, they don't expunge moving violations. Um, in Texas, they can. So it was, it was kind of one of those deals where I was like, man, I just did all that, you know, and I can't even, you know, I can't even get a job doing this. And I remember I, I did, I went and applied for Duncanville and the same thing happened. Uh, so that's when the, that's when it got bad because I kind of had this defeated mindset and I was looking for relief and then I mean, drugs and alcohol are always there. Those people over the bars are always there. So that just became my new hangout. At this point, um, as you start to sort of things become unraveled a little bit, was there anyone who kind of pulled you aside and, and sort of checked you any, any or was it, uh, were, were, were family or, or friends afraid to say something? How, how, how did that work? Um, yeah, my family was always concerned, um, but there's not much you can do when somebody's choosing you know, to live their life a certain way. Um, I, I would, you know, for a while, you know, I, I've been dealing with drugs and alcohol for 10 years, um, and it just would, it got progressively worse and worse. Um, but there was, there was a point, probably like six of those years where, you know, I could go throw on a polo and go get a job, like a good job, you know, and, and hold it down for a few months. Um, and then it would unravel, you know, and, and just this pattern over and over again. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it, it's been rough, man. Uh, my family's gone through a lot. They really have, um, and I haven't really even realized that until, you know, I can kind of step aside from using, like, like how I said, I, you know, I have seven months of sobriety and that means a lot to me because that's probably longer than I've had a job in 10 years. Um, and then, you know, I, I've got to stop and reflect and I've gotten, I've gotten to relearn who I am, um, get to know myself, uh, reestablish, you know, recommit myself to Christ, uh, find enjoyment because, because what alcohol and drugs do, they, they numb your pain and they take away those negative things that, uh, we as people, we don't like, makes us uncomfortable. You know, it takes that away. It numbs you, but it also takes away your joy and it takes away your ability to love and, those things that we as humans we need you know, to live a happy life. Um, so just getting all those things back, you know, all at once, like boom, you know, the sobriety thing. It's more than that. It's like it, it, it's like ten years that I lost just compounded into these seven months, just bang. You know, uh, at first it's overwhelming because you feel the shame and the guilt. And then, you know, when you, when you're able to repent and you, you were able, you're able to, you know, develop a relationship with Christ and, and forgive yourself for all those things. And then that's when, you know, that's when you can look at it and just really look at it instead of having to you know, feel everything. You can look at it for what it was. Um, but yeah, uh, we had a testimony. This guy came like three days ago up to Haven Homes, where I'm at right now. 
and he shared he wasn't an addict, but he was his son was for many, many years, and he was just this old man who kind of talked about what it was like, you know, being this, this guy's dad. And it had a huge impact on me because I never got, you know, we hear people's stories all the time in here, but you never hear the stories of those who are affected by it. And it was just really, it was really impactful and eye-opening. And, uh, yeah. Well, you mentioned Haven Homes, which is where you are now there uh, in, in, in Texas, here in Texarkana. Uh, talk about how you got there and maybe like the, the, the your, your low point that you hit that finally led you to, to be there. Okay. Um, so I got here, I've never been to Texarkana, first of all. <laughs> And it's crazy that I'm here. Sometimes I look around and I'm like, well, how did I even get here? You know, it's crazy where the places life takes you uh, and where God calls you to be. Um, I remember being just a rock bottom. I remember, okay, so let me give you some context for this. So a year ago, I was in Tarrant County Jail. Um, I had gone out in downtown Fort Worth, don't even remember the night at all. I remember waking up in a jail cell. And uh, so I was charged with assault on a police officer. And uh, two years, exactly two years ago, I was unresponsive, woke up in the hospital, overdose. So all those times where people were telling me, you know, this, this lifestyle, there's, there's two ways out of it, you know, dead or in jail. I've done both, you know, so that it's, it's, it's really true, you know, and you only get so many chances. You know? um, so, um, so I, yeah, after I get out of jail, um, I'm just struggling, trying to, trying to not use, but at the same time, just being stuck, just being stuck because I burn every bridge, uh, you know, I've lost everything I've had, lost friends, um, and just using became all that I had, really. And so I remember I'd been up for a few days, and I remember it was, it was late, it was like midnight, maybe, one in the morning, and I remember seeing Coach Stanford on, on uh, Facebook his little messenger was dot was on. So I remember just hitting him up and just saying, Hey, how are you? I hadn't talked to him in years. And I didn't even think he still liked me because I left LD Bell, you know, and went to South Lake. And we got to talking. And I decided instead of pretending like everything was all right, you know, I opened up to him about what was going on in my life. And that was huge for me because up until that up until that point, I would always social media is tricky because you go on someone's page and it looks like they got it all together. And um, and to be vulnerable, like you were saying, it's it's hard. It's hard uh, when you have that competitive mindset, that never give up mindset to ask for help. Uh, but I remember that night sharing with him that I wasn't doing good um, and talked to him about it gotten a little in depth about it and uh the next day he sends me billy eldridge who's now my sponsor and uh in aa he sends me his information and says there's a place here in texarkana and he's doing this right before his first game 
I couldn't believe it. I was thinking, man, he's got to be so busy going out of his way to give me the resources to help me get clean. Um, so he gives me Billy Eldridge's information and I call and I remember just, just thinking this is it and I have to do something. There, there's got to be some, some intervention here. Um, so going to Texarkana was, was just a good option for me to get away, get out of the place, the rut I was in. Um, so when I got here, you know, this, this, this program is great. Um, I'm glad it's here and it's growing every day. Um, these people are just godsend. Um, it's a work therapy program, Christian based. So what they do is they take you in for the first 30 days and they, and they just feed you, they clothe you. I mean, people are coming off off the streets and are in jail. Um, and some of these guys in here that I'm, that I'm living with, I mean, some of them were former nurses and had their own businesses. I mean, these are, these aren't just degenerate people. These are people then in this addiction thing that doesn't discriminate. I mean, it can affect, you know, people you wouldn't expect it to. Um, yeah, but anyways, so when I get, when I got here, you know, I wanted to, my, my plan was not only to get sober, um, but just, just to surround myself with better people, better quality people. Um, Coach Stanford's a wonderful. He really is. He, he's been a mentor of mine, still is. Um, you know, will come pick me up on days where I don't have a lot to do and, and have me go out there and help with the kids and practice and um, off-season workouts and stuff. So um, it's given me some purpose and some uh, just some motivation you know, to, to do this thing the right way. So now that, that you're there, um, you're seven months into a year long program. Uh, what are your goals for yourself now, you know, for the rest of the time there? And then once, once you, uh, graduate from the program. Right. Um, right now I'm just enjoying the peace and serenity I have right now. Um, it's kind of like, you know, taking an old house and demoing it. Boom tearing it down first before you build it back up. Um, so that now that the demo phase is over with, you know, I'm really enjoying this just peace of mind and this, um, just this knowing that I'm going to get it right this time around. Um, I've, I've looked at some options. Um, I know I have 130 college hours under my belt. So, um, I'm looking at trying to transfer some credit over to A&M Texarkana and try to just, get in there and take some, take some courses while I'm in here for the next five months. Um, but oh, I, I can't say that I know exactly what I want to do. All I can tell you is that uh, I just want to keep putting God first and trust that he has a plan for me and, and a will uh, that if I let him, that he'll, he'll execute. In uh, that verse that I shared when, when y'all's uh, team came, uh, when I, shared my testimony was James 4 7 that says submit to God resist the devil and he will flee, flee from you um, that's that's what I'm working on is this submit to God part because I know that he, he'll carry out his will if I let him um, every time you know I try to do it my way it hasn't worked um, and just you know realizing that and accepting that is is the biggest part of this whole thing is uh, just letting him take the wheel and trusting that he knows what's best for him. 
and uh, and I have no doubt that you know my future looks bright, you know, and I can't wait. I can't wait for the rest of my life. If if uh, you could speak directly to um, high school kids, guys mm-hmm. who are uh, like you mentioned you were in their shoes not that long ago. What, what what advice would you give to those guys? I would tell them that there's always, no matter what, whether they're on a football team or in school, there's always going to be a group of people that are negative, that they're easy. It's easy to fall. It's easy to get involved with those people when something doesn't work out your way. You know, if something goes wrong, they're right there. So just be aware of those people, those groups that are negative and try to pull you down with them. Um, always, you know, put God first and know who you are. Um, because no matter if you're in the band or a football player, or whatever you identify as, you know, you're a lot more than that. Um, and, and the only thing you have in this life really that's so precious is your time. And you want to make sure that you spend it around the right people and doing the right thing. And then kind of similarly, if you could speak to, you know, you have a lot of, a lot of coaches listening to this, uh, if you could speak directly to those coaches and, you know, just knowing that the influence they have on their players and the guys that they interact with every day, what advice would you give to, to us coaches? Wow. They, I mean, you guys, you guys have an awesome job. I mean, I envy you guys uh, getting to um, really get in there and impact these kids' lives and have an impact that goes on further than just season or further than football. Um, you know, my, in my story, Coach Stanford, you know, 15 years later, still impacted my life. Um, that's huge. So, uh, you know, just, just be there for form, you know, and, and whatever, the, whatever they might need. Um, because that's the responsibility that you take on as a coach. It's just to be, is be more than X's and O's, be more than football, is to really impact someone's life. Um, so you, you're more like a life coach, really. And that's awesome. Yeah, that's, um, you know, that's, that's great advice on, for, for both the, the athletes and, and coaches. You know, one of the things I think that's tough with coaching sometimes is, you know, we pour into these kids for four years, sometimes six years if we have them in middle school as well. And then a lot of times you don't get to see the results, right? Like my mm-hmm. coaches, for the most part, I've, I actually got to see my head coach um, about a year and a half ago. Um, and then I've seen uh, one of my, my, my defensive coordinator run into him at clinics and stuff. He's still uh, just recently retired, but was still coaching for a while. Um, and so I got to talk with them, but most coaches don't get to see the, uh, the long-term rewards of the, of, of, the pouring into their athletes, right? Like you just got to keep pouring into them and you don't know how it's going to impact them on down the road. Coach Sanford had no idea when he was pouring into you, you know, all those years ago at, 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 at Bell High School, um, how that would ultimately come full circle into leading to your recovery, right? Um, right. And, and so I think that that uh, sometimes makes the job tough because we're in a world where we want to see instant results. Like, hey, kid, let's go, figure it out. But mm-hmm. we have to, I think, and this is not just with coaches, but with people in general, have to resign ourselves to the fact that we just keep watering and, and, um, and planting those seeds and ultimately let God handle, handle the rest. Right. Uh, that's huge. You said, it's well said, yeah. 
I agree hundred percent with that. Yeah. Well, um, Blake, just really, uh, appreciate you, your, your willingness to share with us today. And, and I know that these guys will be blessed because of your story and that, that, um, many others will be blessed as well who, uh, who come across, um, come across your story and have a chance to, to, to talk with you. So I want to just thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story with us today. Yeah. Thank you for giving me uh, this opportunity, man. I appreciate it. Wow. Well, if, you know, if, if Blake's story doesn't inspire you, then you, you need to check your pulse. I'm uh, just so appreciative of his, uh, his willingness to open up and, and uh, share his story with us today. Uh, being vulnerable, as I mentioned in our conversation, you know, it's, it's hard for us guys, but, I think we could all stand to be more real and open with each other and, and honest about our struggles, which is why I think it's so awesome that Blake was was willing to share with us today. So if you would like to reach out to him and uh, give him some encouragement in his recovery, I know he would uh, really appreciate that. You can find his email. That's the best way to get a hold of him. You can find his email uh, in the show notes of today's episode. Or uh, if you want to DM us a message to pass along to Blake, you can do that as well. Uh, you can follow us at KYPD Podcast. Or you can follow me at Coach Taylor 53 Our quote of the day is a Bible verse that has been a favorite of Blake since he began his recovery. Uh, and it's from the book of James, chapter 4, verse 7. And it goes like this. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And that will do it for us this week. If you liked what you heard today, then please go and give us a five-star rating and a review. Then join us right back here next week when we get back to uh, talking football. But we do keep the Oregon theme going one more week. So until then, coaches, hey, have a great week. Never underestimate the impact you're having on your kids. And, of course, always remember, keep your pads down.